These words again from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 16. For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. In our message last week, we rejoiced at the humility that began to flood through the heart and the soul of the Apostle Paul as the regeneration work of the Holy Spirit began to take place, as it systematically removed the arrogance and the pride that once controlled Paul's life and then replaced it with a gentle, loving humility. Strength, yes. Drive, yes. But a gentle and loving humility. And isn't God so very generous to us that we're not left to wonder as to whether the changes were really real within Paul? They were clearly to be seen in this new behavior and his new responses. And that is so when a person is born anew from above. Paul had become a completely new man in Christ. And that new man was very different. Those words in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God does not dress up an old person. God does not dress up your old spirit. He doesn't clean it up. The old must die completely. And the new has to come. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. The evidence that Paul had become a whole new person is then clearly spread throughout uh, these Gospels. His behavior and his conduct served as, as a visible a visible fruit for all to observe and to, act, and to accept. And that is what Jesus said to us. He says... People are going to look at you and they're going to see your fruit. From the fruit on the Apostle Paul, we could see that those changes were really real. And is not Paul's departure from his old ways of, of hunting down those believers in Christ and imprisoning them and even having some of them killed, is it not... that visible transformation of him into this usable vessel for the purposes of God, is not that the way of God's Spirit? As as God's Spirit comes to live within a person and then he pours out his Spirit upon each believer. Let me read about that for you in Acts chapter 2 because this is very real. Acts chapter 2 verse 16, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. This pouring out of God's Spirit had truly taken place in the life of the Apostle Paul. And Paul began to know things and to do things that he had never known and never done before. And he began to have a new vision of the kingdom of God, the one that Jesus had had brought to earth with him. Now I realize the words that I'm 
saying here about God pouring out His Holy Spirit upon Paul that with those words I can quickly depart from some of the beliefs of my fellow reformers. But I clearly understand these scriptures to tell us that the the pouring out of God's Holy Spirit is very different from this gift of His indwelling Spirit. I clearly see as I read these scriptures that God does many very special works in and through the souls of believers when he appoints them to a task and, and, and to opportunities uh, that go beyond their ordinary abilities like he had done with the Apostle Paul. God gives a special unction that enables ordinary men and women to accomplish special tasks and, and missions that they surely would not otherwise be able to do. And yes, as we've said in other messages, God could easily have done all of these difficult things himself. He could just have spoken. And whatever he desired to take place would then suddenly come into being. But for some reason, and this is the call upon your and my heart, for some reason God prefers to place some of these responsibilities upon the shoulders of men and women. And he does. And we can hear them if we listen. Thankfully, as he hands out these assignments to us, he also is divinely generous. He not only gives us the tasks to do, he also gives us this enabling power to carry them out. And that was especially so, again, with the Apostle Paul. Through Paul, God was going to invite all of the Gentiles of the world into the beloved eternal family of God. And that was no small task. That was no small task because with the invitation of these Gentiles, God's family would grow exponentially from just those few within that small nation of Israel out into the entire world bringing to mind God's promise to Abraham that Abraham's children would number to the stars in the skies and to the to the grains of sand on the seashore. It was a massive, massive undertaking for Paul to carry out. One that Paul would in no way be able to do on his, on his own with his own efforts and abilities. He would need help. He would need strength. He would need power beyond anything that any ordinary man would be able to muster within himself. But may we always remind ourselves that God knows all about the limitations that are within men's souls. He knew very well that neither Paul nor any other man was capable of doing all that was going to need to be done. So as God is always sure to do, he stepped forward and he made all the provisions that Paul would need. He filled Paul with his indwelling Holy Spirit, giving Paul these special uh, fruits of the Spirit And then also giving Paul special gifts of the Spirit that Paul had never had before. And then even beyond giving Paul those special spiritual gifts, God also gave Paul this special privilege of passing on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the very Holy Spirit Himself, to other people. Isn't that magnificent? We read in these scriptures where Paul would simply lay hands upon a person 
and they would receive the Holy Spirit. That's an exciting thing. I would love to be able to do that. I have actually, not counting myself in this vein, but as I have hugged people, I've prayed this prayer. Oh Lord, give them the Holy Spirit as I would lay my hands on them. Again, it's not in the same vein as given here. But um, I have to say, I ask the Lord to do it, to give a fullness of spirit to those that I would be hugging. Now may I confess to you that I really have no adequate understanding of these truths that I'm conveying to you today. But I do know that they are clearly given within these scriptures and that they are absolutely true. They are the Word of God, and so I accept them for myself, and I pass them along to you with confidence. And simply put, when God calls you and me to a work, and as He gives us tasks and assignments to carry out, He will also surely always fully equip us to do it. To do whatever he is, it is that He's giving for us to do. He will fully equip us to do it and He will equip us very, very well. We will lack nothing. We might have anxiety when we're in the midst of it, but that's not from Him. That's of our own failure. He has given you and me everything we need to carry out every task that He has ever given to us. I think about my experience at French Camp. House parents... There was a time when our daughter and son-in-law had 14 teenage girls besides their own girls. And these teenage girls have been through a lot of miles, a lot of experiences. And our daughter would confess that she just didn't know where to go next with some of these girls. I would say to her, remember, you have everything you need to be the house parent that you are right now. God has equipped you. You have no reason to have anxiety or to whine. God has equipped you. You and I need to understand that. He never gives us a task without equipping us. And equipping us very well. Fully. Here in verse 16 we read about that equipping. Listen. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. That's God's equipping. His generous provision. It's bountiful. It's overflowing. And may I quickly remind us, as I often do, that while these words here that we're reading came from the writing pen of the Apostle Paul, they were really the words of the Holy Spirit that were flowing through Paul's mind and onto this page of Scripture. And here as Paul prays for these dear saints in Ephesus that they would be strengthened in their inner being, this is also Christ's prayer and plea for them. Because Christ is always at the right hand of the Father interceding. So this is also Christ's prayer. And it's also the same continual intercession that He makes for you and me. That we too will be strengthened in our inner being as we run into those difficult times. 
It's within this inner being that he speaks about here that you and I are most needful and that we're most vulnerable. Our inner being is that special place within us where our spirit and our soul resides. It's there that weakness of every kind has its beginning. You recall James chapter 1. That's where sin begins. With just a thought. And then it begins to grow. It's there in that inner being that every weakness of every kind has its beginning. And it's there that Satan seems to be able to find access and to get a foothold and to exert his his subtle temptations upon us. But thanks be to God, this overcoming power of God's Spirit gives us a, a fresh supply of strength within our inner being. Strength to resist that onslaught of Satan and all of his temptations and to bear that cross daily. And you and I do bear crosses. We were talking about that earlier with, with those that, are, that we love. Jesus bore that cross so that others would not have to suffer. You and I are called to do the same thing. To bear our cross. And also then to have a perseverance. The, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, one of them is perseverance. To hold out to the very end when those difficult times get even more difficult. But listen, take note here of the words in verse 14. Here we're being reminded that you and I have a part that we must play. He says that for this reason I bow my knee before the Father. You and I must fall to our knees before the Father in complete surrender. And we need to remain there. These words, for this reason I bow my knee before the Father, they're very descriptive to our minds. They speak of a special posture before the Lord. Sometimes it's physical, actually on our knees. But more than physical, these words speak of a posture of our heart, humbly bowing all that we are and all that we have within us before God the Father. But may I also say that when our heart is humbled, our body will often be moved and follow. This gesture of being on our knees speaks a really sweet submission and reverence and humility to the Lord. Again, yes, quick instant prayers in times of need are excellent and they are very effectual as we rush through our our daily activities. But in those circumstances when serious attention and focus is needed regarding some matter, listen, we really must make serious business of our prayer. On our knees, fully acknowledging that God is our only hope and our only provision. On our knees. But then also and beyond those times of prayer, uh, prayer, He is saying to us here that we have to live out the matters and the activities of our daily lives in an attitude of bended knees. That's humility. Recall what I said, the arrogance and pride had been removed from the Apostle Paul. That's what God wants of you and me. This kind of humility of of bended knees in complete submission, reverently 
acknowledging that God is truly God. And that we should not be trying to usurp his position and handling it ourselves. God is truly God and he is sovereign over everything that takes place. And he truly does have a plan. He has a plan and he's carrying that plan on forward. And so he says to us, trust in me with all your heart, with all of your soul. Do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge me, he says, and I will direct your path. I'll whisper a word in your ear as to where you should go and what you should do. And he really does have that kind of plan for our life. And I read it to us last week. He, he has a plan that has all these big things involved. Yes, where we'll live and, and, and when we'll live there. Listen to these words again that I read to us a week or so ago from Acts 17. This is beginning in verse 26. And he, God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined, listen, allotted periods, the time, today, and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Houston, Halka, Tupelo, Kosciuszko, wherever. Exact place of their dwelling. And why? That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards Him and find Him. It gives this vision of us not being able to see Him clearly, but we have to keep right on moving towards Him, feeling our way towards Him to find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each of us. We could reach out and touch Him. Why? And what will be accomplished? For in Him we live and we move and we have our being, for we are indeed His offspring, His children, His sons and daughters. Folks, these words are easy. And they're plain to understand. God really does have a plan for our lives and it is very specific to each one of us where and when we'll live and and what He wants us to do when we're there. And that is that we would seek Him and find Him. But as I was talking earlier with my sister, uh, His plans reach on down into the very details of life, the smallest of details, the smallest of attitudes within our hearts, the smallest of activities, even what we'll eat, what we'll drink, what we'll wear. Let me read that to you. This is Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink. And that's not just whether you'll have something to eat or to drink, but it's what you will eat and what you'll drink. It should not be of the importance that we place upon it. What kind of food we should eat. Where we ought to go in our, to our next restaurant. He says, or about your body, what you'll put on. And it's not just that whether or not we can afford clothes, but how many outfits do we lay out each day before we decide which one to wear? He says, don't be anxious about those kind of things. Don't let those things take up your time. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he says, this is what your response needs to be. This is in verse 31 of Matthew 6. He says, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For even the Gentiles, the unbelievers of this world, those who do not know God and do not even want to know Him, for the Gentiles seek after these things. 
And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows that we need food and clothing. But He says here, this is what I want you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. I'll take care of what you wear. I'll take care of your food. Why is God so interested and so involved in these minute details of your and my daily life? It's because when you and I receive Christ as Savior and Lord, we actually become His children. Sons of God, daughters of God, members of His family. So we read these words. For this reason I bow my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is is named. See, God knows. He has this big family. He knows how you love your family. And He knows how He wants us to love our family. And He wants us to know how He loves us. And with these words we can begin to see this bigger picture of who God is and, and who we are supposed to be as His beloved children within His kingdom. Folks, I've said this often to us and I want to keep on saying it. The kingdom of God really has already come to this earth. It came as Christ came. It's not just some future event that will take place. Yes, when sin entered into men's souls, it separated us from God and from that His special kingdom. But thanks be to God, when Jesus came to earth, He brought God's kingdom back with Him. And He has reconciled men and women, you and me, to Him, to God the Father. And He not only united us to Himself, He also united us to one another in that spiritual, that divine spiritual community that I spoke about in the Apostles' Creed. The body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And His kingdom not only thrives all around us, it thrives within our own hearts. God said, or Jesus said uh, uh, at one point, He said, the Spirit is within you and the kingdom of God resides within you. And yes, these concepts are mystical. And they are hard for even the most devout of believers to comprehend. But thanks be to God, we do have His Holy Spirit to explain it to us. We we don't have to perfectly understand His truth by our own abilities. And we don't have to understand it fully in any form to know that it really is real and to accept it for ourselves. Our calling, our calling is to simply bow our knee in submission, in attitude, in behavior, and in constant prayer, inviting this kingdom of God, as Jesus said, to abide within us. And as we do that, we'll begin to see into that mystical world that resides all around us each day. Folks, that's an exciting thought to me, to be able to see God's plan taking place every day. I mentioned that earlier. It's all available to us through His Spirit, as He said to us. It is all of and through and by the precious and Holy Spirit of God. Let me close with one more thought. What is the reason that He speaks about here? He says, For this reason I bow my knee. 
before the Father. The reason is that in His deep love, God has graciously reached out to you and me, the outsiders, the Gentiles of the world, and He's drawn us into His beloved family. He didn't have to. You didn't have to be a Christian. You didn't have to be here today. You could be reading your newspaper in front of your television right now. But He's drawn you into His family. And you and I are now sons of God, daughters of God. And that's a very serious matter. One so serious that we need to continually be on our knees before our Father, surrendering to Him and blessing Him back for all that He does for us each day. So then, as I mentioned earlier, as we close, may we pray this prayer that Jesus taught His disciples to pray. Now, I know that there's a closeness of the pews and it's not easy to get on our knees. But do join with me as we say this prayer together. Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.